you think that you published a book Said it's not a big deal, all you need is a hook Then you lie about your age so you don't seem dated A call from your agent and boom, you made it So sorry we think you're a liar, we're older and wiser Hello everyone and welcome to Older and Wiser, a podcast about all things publishing and younger. I'm your host, Marissa Cantor, and with me as always is Kelsey Rodkey. Hey, Kelsey. Hi, Marissa. How are you? I am doing great and even more so than usual because we have a guest today on Older and Wiser. Joining us to cover season one, episode four is Orion de Sombre. Orion is the author of I Think I Love You and works as a middle school teacher and freelance editor. She holds an MA in English Literature and an MFA in Creative Writing for Children and Young Adults. She lives in Los Angeles with her dog, Sammy, who is a certified bad boy. And I Think I Love You is out now and available for purchase where all books are sold. Hey, Orion. Hi, Marissa. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. I'm mostly excited about Sammy, though. That's valid. I I feel the same way, as does he. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, Just the chance of there being a Sammy cameo at any moment is just getting me through. Um, There will definitely be one. There always is. (laughs) Thrilled. So we always start off this podcast with reading recommendations. So what have you been reading? Um, well, I just started Written in the Stars by Alexandria Belfleur, and she's like a delicious um, Pride and Prejudice retelling with a lot of astrology, and it's gay, and I love every second of it so far. Orion, you'll never believe this, but I also just started reading Written in the Stars this week. Oh my goodness, can we start our own podcast <laughs> to talk Please. about Written in the Stars? I like <laughs> just, just started it, like I'm at the, like a couple chapters in, so... It's so good. No spoilers, but I'm very excited to talk about it with you. Um, you'll never guess where it's going. One could say that it was written in the stars <laughs> for Orion to be here this weekend. Get out. <laughs> Kelsey, what about you? What are you reading? I am reading Once Upon a Quinceanera by Monica Gomez Hira. And it was coincidentally released the same day as Orion's book, uh, March 2nd, and it is delightful. And it reminds me that soon enough, it will be warm again outside (laughs) and the sun will come out. And um, I highly recommend it. It's a rom-com that takes place in Miami and it's just super fun. And Monica is fabulous. We love Monica over here on Older and Wiser, and I am so excited to read her book. Now, Kelsey and I were talking about in our last episode that we are so glad to have a guest on for this episode because there is content, there are publishing points to unpack, there is a lot going on. We're excited to talk about all the things with you. I'm so excited. Um, This show is so messy, and I'm so glad I finally have an outlet. (laughs) What is your relationship with Younger? So I actually have a very interesting experience with the show because I actually jumped in like halfway through, like towards the end of season one, because my roommate was watching it and just complaining about it a lot. And I was like, I need to get in on this with you. Like, it sounds so messy and wonderful. I must experience it. Um, So I actually hadn't seen like the first episodes until today in preparation for recording this. 
like I had just jumped in at the end so I had no idea what was happening or any of the backstory of the, like I knew like the premise of the show but I didn't know how the characters got to all their points so it was like a fascinating prequel I really shouldn't be so surprised that your your entrance in this was so chaotic but I I still couldn't help my look of horror as you explained <laughs> that that like gives me hives I can't start things in the middle and then go back it's happened to me a couple times with like movie series, but I instantly go back and watch. But a TV show, I, I can't do that. Yeah, it's not normally how I operate, but I feel like younger is so chaotic that I just embraced its energy and just might as well. <laughs> might as well just do whatever. So has it shocked you as much as it has shocked us on the, our rewatch that Charles is still just like nowhere to be found? Yes, I was so ready to talk about him because I have so many opinions about Charles and he wasn't in this episode at all. Where is he? We'll have to bring you back for season two. <laughs> Please do. I have so many opinions on Charles. Totally. No, I know. It's like I keep waiting for him to appear. He is like the he's the third point in the love triangle. And he just like doesn't exist right now. <laughs> and not even like in passing, like nobody at Empirical even talks about him. Like <laughs> It's just not a character. And isn't he supposed to like run the whole imprint? Like, <laughs> yes, he's the publisher. Honestly, I prefer this version of Younger. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know what this is? It's just because I never saw this part. It's like a happy alternate universe of like, an AU where Charles never worked here and everyone's just happy. <laughs> <laughs> Things are going great and then Things Charles shows up. <laughs> I know. It's like, this is a Charles world and we just like live in it right now. I love it here. I never want yeah, to Beautiful. <laughs> COVID-19 never happens when Charles doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> watch me like end up liking him this time when I watch it. That'll be horrible. Don't, don't you dare. See, I like I did like him the first time I watched it to a point. And I just question my younger self now. I'm just like, I was really drawn in by Peter Herman's old, attractive white man face. Like, it's the only explanation. But it's not a good one. I can't explain <laughs> it. I know you give, I know you give me a look every time <laughs> I, I tell you that Peter Herman's hot. But like, I can't explain it. <laughs> I think they really set him up for failure by putting him in contrast to Josh. So today we are discussing season one, episode four, The Exes. In this episode, Liza tries to keep Josh at arm's length, but a surprise run-in leaves her reevaluating her feelings for him. Kelsey asks Liza to keep her in check as she celebrates her new author acquisition with innumerable shots of tequila. Ugh, I cannot wait to talk about Kelsey in this episode because like she's a mess. <laughs> so messy. Maybe we could start with Kelsey. Why not? Let's start. Yeah, there wasn't like there wasn't much in by way of relationships, to be honest. It was kind of more of the Yeah, same. I mean, I guess we could, you know, the episode starts where the, exactly where the last episode left off. Liza and Josh are doing it. They are having a lot of sex. <laughs> they are breaking beds like it is they're going to pound town <laughs> that's what they say <laughs> going to pound town relationship wise they're they're having a good time and they discuss that they kind of said they're exclusive by the end it wasn't said in so many words but it was like implied that josh wasn't really hooking up with that girl that liza finds <laughs> 
his bed <laughs> without pants on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they end the episode pretty much in the same spot that they started. So moving on. See, one of my favorite lines from this episode, though, was from that closing scene where Liza's giving Josh this like watered down, like alternative history about her last relationship. And he's just like, whoa, that's heavy stuff for college. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, speaking of, okay. So yeah, we do have to talk about how, um, you know, in the first episode, Liza is memorizing all of her lies, or maybe it's the second episode. She's memorizing all of her lies to keep her two lives straight. And she had her virginity story. And Marissa and I um, and Rachel commented on how Kelsey will definitely ask that. So it's good that she has that planned. And then in this episode, she just forgets it. (laughs) It comes up with some story, her real story, where she lost it at a Nirvana concert and then has to go on this long tangent about how it was a hologram of Kurt Cobain. (laughs) And Josh is like, where was that? this like where did this happen you're right liza totally forgot about losing her virginity to the notebook in her parents basement was that gonna be her made-up story that's so funny it's better than being five years old at a nirvana concert (laughs) anything would be better than that we all agree truly no i love what a bad job liza does at pretending to be 26 like even in this episode she just messes up like so early on so many times like I'm just sitting there like girl (laughs) Nirvana what are you saying the way she speaks sometimes or even like gestures is just so clearly not a 26 year old and I, I like that she Sutton Foster isn't acting to the point where that's gone it's nice for us to be in on the secret with her yeah, and you see it in both the Josh story and also the Kelsey stuff in this episode where she goes full mom on her um, at the bar. But Kelsey did ask for that. She ba- basically said, like, babysit me, please. <laughs> babysit me, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's mad when she doesn't listen to her. That was so wild to me. The influence of Thad is just like, no. If I had to pick like one man to cut off the show, like it would definitely be Thad, not Charles. Like if we could just swap them back out. Good Lord, is Thad just the worst? That's until his twin brother shows up. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> when does that happen? <laughs> we got to have you back next season. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, I appreciate that they just like leaned into it and they named him Thad. They were like, we know what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, they don't even try to make him likable at all. If he was a a female character, he wouldn't last one episode. You know, he'd be gone because people just wouldn't be able to tolerate him. No, but yes, Kelsey's whole, don't let me get too drunk. Then she drinks to the point of like, I'm not sure how she is still functioning. That was like six or seven tequila shots. And then she goes like all the way to Brooklyn and back. That's that's how you know she's drunk. She was like, this is a great idea. I don't mind that it's going to take three hours for this whole trip, but it's fine. I'm drunk. I'm living my life. She needs a tattoo, a Swedish tattoo. Yeah. Okay. So a meatball. If we, <laughs> if we all got um, tattoos to symbolize our first uh, book deal. What's the what's the Kelsey version of that tattoo that you would get? 
So like not a sincere one, like a bad yeah. one. Ooh. A drunk one. <laughs> I feel like if I was drunk Kelsey, I'd be like, I want a bookmark tattoo because my book is about books and this helps you save the spot in a book. <laughs> I feel like I would do like a tacky, like French touristy tattoo because like one of my characters is like like just like that study abroad kid who just got back from Paris and like won't stop talking about it. So I feel like that would be my homage to her nonsense. A beret. A beret. <laughs> yes, I would have a beret tattooed. <laughs> a baguette. <laughs> Why not both? Why limit ourselves? It's like a whole design. There's like a baguette and a beret like leaning against the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel Tower is made out of baguettes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's wearing a beret. So a baguette Eiffel Tower wearing a beret. That is what I would get tattooed very large somewhere. Marissa? I feel like I would just, I mean, I'm a basic bitch in all aspects of my life. Um, so I feel like I would probably just get like a cupcake, right? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That feels right. People would be like, oh, you like baking? No, it's about a book. Do you bake? Yeah, to represent the one question that I am asked the most about my debut novel is, oh, so you bake? No, No. I just like eating cupcakes. Definitely not a meatball, which is Kelsey's plan. I like it. I think it's smart. What would a meatball tattoo even look like? (laughs) It's just like a brown blob. Yes. So her and Liza get all the way to Inkberg. She just starts screaming for Josh, which like I just love this whole this whole sequence of events so much in terms of like the quality of acting we're getting from Hillary Duff. I'm honestly obsessed with any kind of movie or TV show that has people being so messy drunk in like New York. The Nick and Nora uh, film adaption has, oh, I can't think of her name. I know it, her real name, Ari Grainer. She's just like this drunk mess trying to get home the whole time. And I would watch hours and hours of that. I just think it's so entertaining. Yeah. So that's happening. She breaks Josh's window. Doesn't seem to really face any consequences for that, but it gets us the what we need to see, which is Josh with another woman. And oh my God, when Liza is putting Kelsey back into the taxi and he's just like, Liza, Liza. (laughs) Oh, Josh, you adorable himbo. He's going to say he is my perfect himbo. Yeah. And I love him. But yeah, so then the next morning, Kelsey oversleeps. She misses her meeting with Anton Bjornberg, the Swede. We can just call him the Swede, right? I mean, I don't remember his real name, so please let's. (laughs) (laughs) And then she just totally blames Liza for this happening. And the fact is she shows up late to the meeting. She misses him by one minute and doesn't immediately go back downstairs (laughs) to get him. She waits two hours and goes to his house, but she could have just taken one elevator trip down. Her work ethic is beautiful. I strive for that low level. (laughs) of ethic every episode i watch of this show i'm like how do i get a job at this workplace where like there's maybe five people that work there they never seem to do any like work things like they have meetings sometimes and then they go get really really drunk and face no professional consequences like it seems lovely no the thing is they do work because at the beginning of the episode kelsey tells um 
her meeting that she was having, she was telling people in the meeting that she wants cover art by the end of the week. They're just super speedy there. It's not that they're not doing anything. It's just they're very efficient because cover art by the end of the week. Well, that's because they publish like one single book at a time too. Like what else are they working on? She said this comes out in the fall. They're working on cover art for it. For it. And yeah, there's the, this is like the first real tangible time when we see how skewed the publishing timeline is in this show. What is it? Jeremy Bear Me or whatever from The Good Place. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Which is a good segue into the publishing segment of this podcast, of this episode. We get a meeting. It is Kelsey's first acquisition and she has big plans for it. Like you said, fall launch. She needs marketing and cover art by the end of the week. Um, They also still have to do this little thing of like translating the book. Yeah. <laughs> she says the translation might as well still be in Swedish. So that sounds like a big undertaking. <laughs> so my thing with this is like, first of all, why is the author involved in this at all right like there should be a translator and kelsey would be working with that translator and the agent and the agent yeah the author shouldn't have zero involvement in this process have you taken into consideration that the author is really hot though (laughs) (laughs) is he though no (laughs) as kelsey says drunkenly you are hot (laughs) and then she sends him she sends him a picture of himself as if to show him, you are hot. She cited her sources. She is a good English major queen. She sent him that text with Emily formatted citation. <laughs> um, no, when she was zooming into that picture, I was sitting here like, ugh. And then she was like, mm, he's so hot. And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm, sexy. <laughs> like, I thought that too. Ugh. I don't know. That's really like the big publishing news. Kelsey's first acquisition and the whack timeline that we are expected to see this book hit shelves. Do we think that it's bizarre that this is her first acquisition and that this is the way that she went about it? Like, I mean, it doesn't bode well. I feel like she should be fired (laughs) for crossing multiple professional boundaries. Yeah, I think, I mean, I know we talked about this in the last episode, but I think it bears repeating, like, where is his agent? Like, why is he even in America? He has a house, apparently. He lives in, like, a brownstone. Those are expensive. He must spend a lot of time there. Why does she already have his cell phone number? That Oh, man, you're right. That is weird. They must have exchanged it when they had drinks inappropriately as she was trying to poach him from Knopf. <laughs> you're right. You're so right. That had to be it. Although now I kind of wish that she had like drunk emailed him like to his professional author email account and just like attached a picture as like an attachment to the email. Like subject line, you're so hot, nobody attached a photo of him. That's a great flashback to her pitching him the night before saying like, there are better editors than me, (laughs) but I'll do a good job. (laughs) Will you, Kelsey? So we we do have that moment where... um, before Kelsey shows up late to the meeting and Diana tries to talk marketing to the Swede and he walks out because how dare they want to talk about marketing market his book they're monsters how dare they I don't I, I can't imagine a scenario in which I don't want to talk about marketing my book 
like, and, and even if you don't care about marketing, like they're still going to do it. So why not be involved or at least like know what they're doing? I, I just think he's such a dick. Uh, he's the worst. I also feel like not to out myself as lazy, but like I would much rather sit in a meeting where I'm told about the work that the marketing people will do than like sit in a meeting while an editor tells me all of the extensive translating work that my book needs because it still reads like it's in Sweden. <laughs> Truly like, okay, I already wrote this. I already wrote this 4,000 page book. Okay, now it's your turn to do the work and I'll just sit here. Yeah, well, is that the thing? Are we just like assuming that the Swede is translating it? Maybe. I don't remember what happens in the future episodes regarding the actual book. I just remember the mess that is Kelsey and the Swede. But um, that's a good (laughs) point. I think that maybe he translates it in this weird universe. Maybe. I think that that is another contender for the title of this episode, um, Kelsey and the Swede. I still vote Pound Town. So much, so much mess. And then he totally just like takes advantage of her in that last scene and just like plants one on her and is like, we both get one mistake, which is just so gross. Such an abuse of power. Yeah, because she came there groveling and he did that. It's just, ugh. Bleh. Kelsey, run. Have some respect for yourself. This is your job. This is your life. Like, I don't know the depths of the personal relationships you guys have with your editors, but like, if something like that happened to me, I'd be out of here. If I got a text message that says you're hot, <laughs> done. I'm going to Knopf. <laughs> Orion, I said in the last episode how. He doesn't take her seriously, even from the start. Like, it's not professional in any way at the beginning. And then it just goes downhill from there. And the end of this episode just makes my skin crawl. It's so sad that he's, like, proven right in not taking her seriously. Yeah. It's like, I want to see, like, the young woman in publishing, like, succeeding. But instead, she gets very, very drunk and texts him that he's hot at the early hours of the morning from a cab on the way to Brooklyn. A sad life choice. (laughs) (laughs) that's a good segue into our critique uh partner section actually what we wanted to see out of the episode that didn't happen and honestly like kelsey actually doing her job would be much better than this like i get that this is dramatic and tense and high stakes blah 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 but yeah i mean it's kind of awful to say but i'd rather see a storyline where she's dealing with trying to do her job and facing this potential harassment rather than her just trying to do her job and not get caught messing with her first client. Like <laughs> this is supposed to be a big deal for her and she's not taking it very seriously, but we're supposed to believe she's this strong, powerful person in the workforce and it's just not coming. It's not coming through. It is like a weird dissonance where the show like clearly wants us to think that she's doing a good job. And yet like at no point in this episode, did she do a good job? <laughs> so it's just like, Cite your sources like she did. Like where? Point me. (laughs) She's not doing good. She's doing bad. That's like when you read a book and they're like, this character is really badass, but they never show you how. (laughs) They just keep telling you. But that's not enough. You need to show, not tell. I have heard that. (laughs) I've heard that once or twice. (laughs) I've heard that before. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Like I wanted Kelsey to make that meeting. I wanted to see her. I wanted to see why she's a good editor, why she got this acquisition. Right now, it totally seems like it is all about this creepy man's 
attraction to her. Um, and like he doesn't even think she'll be the best editor for the job. He just thinks she's hot and can take advantage of that. And that's not what we need to see. Yeah. Out of this. It's a weird message. It's really centering the Swede over Kelsey, honestly, because this isn't really a decision that she makes so much as is made for her. As we go through the seasons, I am going to keep track of all of Kelsey's <laughs> acquisitions because I think that that will be a very interesting thing to unpack. I feel like I can only think of two out of like six seasons. <laughs> I know because the only one that really like pops is Marriage Vacation. Yeah, but that's Liza's book. But that's Liza's book. Yeah, I don't know. How does Kelsey afford... Well, she's with the investment broker, whoever, Thad. He's got money. But like, otherwise, how does she survive <laughs> in New York with not selling books? Like, this is her first acquisition. She's been in her job for six months. So, I mean. What's she been doing for six months? Not flirting with the authors. And it didn't go well. So she's changing her plan. Yeah, she's living off that that generous editorial. <laughs> salary maybe 50k maybe lucky if she's like a junior slash associate editor but i like her i liked thad coming in at the bar and being like oh don't worry i'll pay for it you guys don't make a lot in publishing <laughs> like someone said it finally but it, again show us that <laughs> instead of just telling us because nothing has made me feel that way it really glamorizes publishing it really does i mean they all I mean, it glamorizes New York, too. Like, they all live in these beautiful apartments. Like, how Maggie is living in that thousand-square-foot loft in Williamsburg. Like, excuse me. I'm sorry. I think you mean the Berg. <laughs> the Berg. How dare. Because that's what locals call it. Oh, yeah. Okay. As we've discussed. Orion, you lived in Brooklyn. Did, did. You ever, uh, did you ever call it the Berg? Um, no. <laughs> exactly <laughs> wish i could expand but it really just is no <laughs> <laughs> no heart <laughs> yes exactly so that brings us to the six-figure advance so orion every episode of older and wiser we award a character of our choice the six-figure advance because as you well know, everyone in publishing gets six-figure advances. That is true. So who is your six-figure advance? Everyone was so messy in this episode. I simply cannot decide. What are the, so what are the criteria? Like, are we going on like who we did a good job in this episode? Because then I petitioned literally no one. <laughs> it's really just like who you would want to give the advance to. It's, it's the person that really... Um, made an impression on you in, in the episode. I mean, my heart would always give it to Josh because he's a perfect himbo and I love him very dearly. But it was a very Kelsey-centric episode. So even though she did a bad job in this episode at everything that she attempted, I, I would also be down to give it to her. She's just like a pity advance, like a here you go. A pity six-fig advance. <laughs> See, for me, I thought that by and far away, this episode goes to Liza. Um, she is messy, of course. Like she dives fully into her lie and she is getting it. And I appreciate that. But more than that, I appreciate the way that she called Kelsey on her shit. 
in the office and was like, no, like you are not blaming me for this. You need to take responsibility and fix it. And I respected that. So Liza gets mine this week. This is hard because part of me, as Orion said, wants to give it to Kelsey, kind of just because she's like a messy queen. (laughs) She's living her life. Yeah, she seems like she's having a great time. Part of me wants to give it to Josh because he was very like, he's very understanding and he's just like the unproblematic fave. But if I'm being honest, it goes to Liza because she, (laughs) I'm, I relate to her because I feel like I'm a mom friend. Yeah, she really, she really had her shit together. She tried her best with uh, drunk Kelsey. She um, is always there for good advice. And like you said, she called Kelsey out on her bullshit. So yeah, I give it to Liza. Does that mean how many, is this a 12 figure deal for Liza? (laughs) So before we go, we always like to end the podcast with another podcast since you, Orion, are our guest today, we would love if you could give us a recommendation of anything that you are listening to and enjoying right now. Um, there is this one podcast that I just like love very dearly. It's called The Outfit Repeaters. I don't know if, if you know it, um, but it recaps Lizzie McGuire um, and it's just great. <laughs> I think you would really like it. You seem to be like exactly their target audience. I'll have to check it out. Do. I'm going to echo that sentiment. Marissa, you really need to check it out. It's a great podcast. Well, thank you so much for the unsolicited shout out. I love to deliver wherever I can. And thank you so much for joining us. This was a ton of fun. Orion, you are a delight and your book is amazing. Everyone should go buy it. It's called I Think I Love You. It's got this cute blue cover. Such a cute cover. And where's Sammy? <laughs> or Samio. Sammy, you want to make a cameo? He sat up like he's being very attentive, but for once in his whole, whole life, he's being very quiet. Yeah, okay. So we'll appreciate that. Thank you, Sammy. Thank you, Sammy. Good boy. <laughs> Orion, do you want to tell listeners um, where they can find you? So you can find me at, at Orion DeSombre on Twitter and Instagram or OrionDeSombre.com. Good luck spelling it. Great content. I was just going to say that before you shit on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I do try extremely hard to be funny. So Yeah, it's a quality follow for sure. It's too much validation. I have to go. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now we are closing the book on this episode of Older and Wiser. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at OlderWiserCast. I'm at Marissa Cantor on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Kelsey Rodkey on Twitter and at KRodK on Instagram. Also available to check out under the paginated media umbrella is The Outfit Repeaters, an unofficial Lizzie McGuire recap podcast hosted by myself and Sam Chung out every Tuesday. And every Thursday, we have Crowning Around, a crown recap podcast hosted by Sam Chung, Ivan Vukovic, and Carlin Greenwald. Kelsey and I will be back next Wednesday to discuss Younger Season 1, Episode 5. Girl Code. We'll see you next Wednesday to continue our discussion of all things publishing on Younger. The end. Bye.